0: Hi everyone and welcome back to Racing Lives. My name is Aurélie, Aurélie Donslo, and in this podcast I use motorsport as an excuse to chat to some of the most inspiring women I know. Each week brings a different guest and we discuss everything from career beginnings to what it's truly like to be involved in one of the fastest sports in the world. My guest today is a champion. Figuratively of course, but importantly she's a champion in the literal sense of the word too. She is the 2015 British GT Champion for GT4, the MRF Challenge Champion for the 2018-2019 season and became the inaugural W Series Champion in 2019. She's also breaking new grounds, the youngest ever British GT Champion at the time as well as the first female to win it. She is the first woman to win a British F3 race that victory came at Brands Hatch in 2018 and the first woman to win the MRF Challenge 2. To top it all off, she is part of the Williams F1 Academy and is the team's development driver, and has begun earning points for the all-important FIA Super Licence through her successful participation in the F3 Asian Championship. I haven't actually listed all her accomplishments here, as they would likely make this introduction longer than our actual chat. Suffice to say that this week's guest is very, very good at what they do. My guest today is the seriously amazing Jamie Chadwick.
3: You've definitely listed all my achievements. There is no more than that. (laughs) That is all that there is.
0: Are you kidding? There's like race wins. You've done GT. Didn't you do like a 24 hour race where you won your class as well?
3: Yeah, Okay, we can throw that one in there as well. No, But um, honestly, you're overselling me. (laughs)
0: Well, I haven't spoken about how kind you are, how freaking good cyclist you are. Yeah, do that.
3: Yeah, start just talking about me as a fan. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Not where sure you go a bit more. I like it.
0: <laughs> it's really nice, actually. I can't wait for someone to do that to me when I'm like old and wrinkly and have achieved something.
3: Shall I do it in reverse? Shall I just list everything about you?
0: <laughs> you can, but I think my achievement as far as our relationship is concerned is getting us drunk at the
3: Autosport Awards. I do remember that, actually. And you gave me great life advice. I remember sitting with you and being like, I'm learning so much. <laughs> I'm in my infancy, but I'm learning a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's great.
3: It's perfect. Oh,
0: great. Okay, well, let's start at the beginning, if that's okay, and ask you the very first question, which is where and where did your racing life actually begin?
3: Yeah, so for me, my motorsports sort of, like, life, I guess, started um, kind of purely by accident. I... Um, followed my older brother into the sport, but my parents weren't involved in motorsport at all. Uh, I wasn't from a racing background. Um, I was always interested in sport and I loved playing different sports when I was young, but motorsport was never something on the radar. I watched Formula One a little bit, but not at any sort of level to think I was going to be a racing driver. And it was my older brother that went go-karting when he was maybe 12 or 13. And he fell in love with it, sort of dragged the family to... The kart track for the first time, and I was sort of going with him a couple of times. Thought this could be quite interesting. I'd like to have a go, and yeah, a couple of years later, I had my first go when I was, sort of, I think, twelve or thirteen, and yeah, it kind of went from there. It kind of escalated pretty quickly into what, well, what it is today. That's just a short ten years, right? <laughs> yeah, literally. Honestly, it's kind of gone from being, I guess, something that was a hobby, something that I enjoyed doing at the weekends. I did sort of once a month go karting. Uh, with my brother um into i progressed into janetta juniors which became a little bit more serious um and then i sort of took the next step after that went into sports cars i had a bit of support with aston martin did some stuff with them and then yeah even at that point and i was sort of 16 17 at that point formula one was never something i thought about or considered um i was never going down the single seater route and an opportunity came about to do british formula three and Then suddenly these doors opened into the whole single seater world, which opened up a potential opportunity to, well, not obviously racing Formula One, but to pursue that dream. And yeah, it's kind of all just escalated pretty quickly and Mm. yeah, gone as a pretty steep learning curve. But yeah, I've been loving every minute of it.
0: That's amazing. And so by your your own admission, you weren't a motorsport fan?
3: I wouldn't say so. I mean, I was a sports fan. I love sports. So anything, I would watch anything on the TV, even from a really young age, but it wasn't motorsport. That wasn't definitely wasn't the sort of sole focus when I was younger. I think, yeah, I always had sort of a bit of appreciation for what they did, and I loved cars. And when I was younger, my brother and I, um, if we weren't sort of winding each other up and driving each other crazy, we were doing something in the garden that was pretty adrenaline based. And my parents took us skiing when we were young, and we were sort of always brought up around um, speed and doing sort of stuff that was a little bit off the off the trodden path but yeah motorsport really came out the blue for us both I think.
0: Oh that's brilliant. I almost want to assume that any sport you would have turned your hand to you probably would have been quite successful at.
3: <laughs> no, I think that's a massive <laughs> massive overstatement. I think from my side I was always very competitive when I was younger and yeah. I always liked it sounds really bad but I think it's probably a trait in a lot of racing drivers but I liked doing stuff I was good at um and so if there's a sport I was good at, I would pursue it and i put a lot of effort into it and I love doing it. And if there's a sport I wasn't so good at, I just wouldn't do it. I would just um turn my back to it. So I remember at school we played netball and I'm not very tall and so I wasn't very good at it. So I decided no, I'm not gonna play netball, I'll just go and do stuff that I was better at. So yeah, it's a horrible ego thing I think with racing drivers. But yeah, that's just the way I was. And the one thing I really loved about motorsport when I first got into it is as a sport there's so much more to it. You know, it's Obviously, got the sporting element of, you know, you go out and you want to have success and you want to win, but also there's, you know, a whole team around you. There's some like engineering aspect, which everything that goes into it all contributes to you doing well. And it's not just you turn up on the day and you do your best and you'll win. There's so many different factors that sort of get to that point. And I weirdly fell in love with that. And yeah, ever since day one, I remember that being a big part of why, you know, I wanted to pursue it
0: it's um you'll you'll end up being a small clog a very important one but a small clog in a huge machine don't you and you realize how big it is the further you get into it it's brilliant
3: yeah you're absolutely right and you realize the further you get into it because I remember when you start in go-karts you've got maybe one mechanic and someone that's helping you out with some driver coaching or something and then the further you get into it and even last year um, as you mentioned I joined Williams and that was the first year that I've been part of a Formula One team and you just walk around that F1 paddock and I love it because I feel like I'm on a movie set because everyone's got their job role. Everyone knows exactly what they're doing, whether it's you in the PR communication side or the engineers, everyone is so, you know, focused on their role and they know exactly what to do. It's such a well-oiled machine, but it's all just to get, well, two cars effectively to the front of the grid. And yeah, when you see the amount of people that go or put all that effort into it, to be part of that is uh, something I really, really love. I quite like you're talking about
0: ego and flattering ego quite like when you describe it as you know people being very focused and knowing their job that's very nice
3: <laughs> well they look like they know what they're doing anyway yeah. <laughs> that's all sure, there's some no smoke and mirrors in the f1 paddock but yeah definitely they all look like they uh, have it all under wraps actually I, yeah they probably mostly do by now
0: we all, we all know what we're doing I mean it's exactly the same as you going through the ranks most people who end up in F1 have actually been in motorsport for so much longer and never learned their trade and by the time we get there other than making sure we know where everything is at each different circuit hopefully we do know what we're doing <laughs> do you have an earliest memory of motorsport whether it's something that's you know you watched on television or you attended something that was like ah that's what motorsport is
3: It's a good question, actually. And off the top of my head, I would struggle to think of one, to be completely honest, Um, only because my earliest memories were actually quite late in my career, if that makes sense, in terms of big moments. Um, I do remember watching Formula One and being interested in it with my family from a young age. And that definitely, whether I realised it or not, had an impact on me ultimately uh, falling in love with the sport. I think definitely the earliest I guess, motorsport memory I had was starting karting and just being exposed to this whole world because motorsport's so vast and there's so much to it. You know, we see Formula One at the pinnacle. We see maybe Le Mans and people see these big events. But actually, even if you look at the grassroots, it's a huge world. And I think I went into it completely oblivious to what it was all about. And probably a good thing that I was a bit oblivious in a way. But I, um, yeah, I turned up and it was just unreal, I think, seeing that amount of people, the competitiveness, the level that they were all operating at, even just for me, I was 12 years old, but a lot of the kids that were there were sort of six to eight. And yeah, to sort of see that firsthand at that age, I think straight away, I'm not surprised that I was like, I want to be a part of this world. You've mentioned
0: discovering the world and realising how much more there is to it. I think a lot of people... When they're watching on the outside, especially in, in your job, it all looks so cool. You know, you're, you've are you got this, as I've described in your introduction, You know, and I know it's not true. You've got this stellar rise to success. You have all these wins and championships to yourself. It looks amazing on the outside. What would you say is actually the biggest misconception about your job?
3: Good question. I think it does look, well, I don't know, I don't want to speak on behalf of what people think it looks like, but it definitely looks more glamorous than it is. Um, I think people think that we swan around living in Monaco, partying uh, on yachts and living our best lives. Obviously, Formula One's a bit different, <laughs> but even still, um, the way up is nothing like that for sure. I think it's like most sports. And I guess what people don't realise about motorsport is there is a lot of money in it, but it goes both ways. I think for us to progress to the top, we have to find so much backing to fund you know, our careers and to get that backing, unless you're fortunate enough to have some sort of private backing or a very wealthy sponsor, you know, it's not easy at all. So there's so much work and grit that goes on behind the scenes that when you turn up to the racetrack, you're just expected to turn it on and do the best job you can. But there's so much other sort of factors, external factors that can influence, you know, how things go. And I think the external factors is the bit that people don't see. I think I think they see us traveling around and going racing at the weekends, which is the best job in the world I'm not gonna lie about that and I still think I've got the best job in the world but I think the bit they don't see is all the bits behind the scenes and there's so many other factors like I said that can influence a race result that you know the pressure to perform is so much but actually you can have a mechanical issue and you don't want to race and then you lose the championship and then you can't you lose your sponsor and there's so many different things that you can think about that you know change you know how we approach our sport and from my side, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm never going to lie about how lucky I am to have got to this position and be in a position. But it's definitely considered to be a sport that's maybe a bit cushier than others. And I would say that's not the case at all. It's still a sport that requires a huge amount of grit determination. And, yeah, every driver that's got to the top, even I won't name names, but there's drivers on the grid that people might have a perception of that they've not earned it or been there quite on the, merit as others trust me they've still earned it they've still had to work hard and they've still had to yeah put time in to get to that point and you wouldn't want to be there if you hadn't done that because you'll get you'll get shown up before you realize I think.
0: Definitely and there's also the huge personal input that you have in all the training that you have to do, being physically fit, all the engineering knowledge you have to gain along the way as well. I don't think, to my knowledge, I don't think there's a school you can go to and learn the engineering and training and, you know, for a racing driver, you kind of have to learn it as you go.
3: Yeah, 100%. That's uh, And that's expected. Uh, that's one thing I definitely realised when you, I got to Williams you know, you're just expected to be able to drive the car quickly and give the feedback you need to. You know, everyone in that F1 paddock, for example, is there to do a job and it relies on you as the driver doing your job. You can't, I mean, everyone has good and bad days, but you can't turn up and have a bad day and, you know, expect the hundreds of other people that are working for you to be okay with that because they're all working hard as well. So, yeah, there's a lot more to it and you've got to be, you know, putting all the effort in and working hard, training. The physical side of it's, in my opinion, really underestimated in our sport. But also, you know, the engineering side, I think it's unbelievable, the technology and the sport now where we've got to and what's coming, um, you know, the progressions that are being made. And, yeah, that takes a lot for the driver to, to understand as well. So for sure, there's a lot, lot more to it. But, um, yeah, I think it's a really cool sport to be a part of and one I'm really proud to, deb- to be in, I guess.
0: We talked about competition a little bit you know, by by definition, you're a competitive person. I don't think you could be a racing driver if you didn't have that bone in your body. But how do you you define success for yourself? When I've spoken to other people on this podcast, of course, they have a lot more undefined version of success because their jobs are less precise in how they are successful. Your success is finishing on the top step of a podium at least to the outside world, but how, how is it on your side? How do you feel it? And, and do you define yourself simply by that or actually do you have other goals that you work towards?
3: It's a really good question actually. Um, Because yeah, I think success for me has always been so black and white or for any, I guess, driver or sports person, it's always very, you know, you win, you succeed, you lose, you don't. And it's, there's no sort of gray area, but I guess there is actually a lot of gray area because you, you, I haven't won every race I've raced in so but I don't feel like I've failed in every race I have so I think there's definitely um you know more to it and from my side ultimately I know coming through the ranks as a junior driver I've got to win to, to progress to the top and so the pressure on me to succeed is the pressure to win or to get results and try and win championships but ultimately there's yeah there's more that I can consider a success in a race and I think the more I progress up, there's so many factors, like I said, that influence a race result, for example, that you can't always um, put that pressure on yourself. So I guess if I look at it as a result that of oh, something that I succeeded in, um, it might not be a race win. It might be just, you know, I've had a good race on the back and I've come through or done something like that. But I think, yeah, definitely it is results based, which... I think isn't great in a way. I think we definitely focus a lot on the outcome as drivers. Um, there is that pressure to get results, and people quite often don't think of the bigger picture around that. So we think of just the outcome and what you know is on a piece of paper at the end of the race weekend. But actually, I think a lot of the focus needs to be on the process and how you go about winning a race, how you go about having the best weekend possible. And I think that's what Formula One teams do so well is it's all in the execution. Uh, they have the structure, they have the plan, and then they execute it. And I think that's what I've started to do more because, yeah, really success is results. <laughs> and I think when you think of it like that, actually, um, sometimes it can have a very negative effect on, you know, you personally.
0: I know that one of the things I've learned being around drivers who are in Formula One, who are, you know, who, are, who have been there for a little while, they can, they can enjoy a race where they're finished eighth as well as if they'd finished third, second. Okay, a win is different, but because they know they've given everything, they drove their perfect race with the tools that they had at their disposition. And that, I love that. I admire that because it's not about aiming for something that you know you don't have the tools to get to. And it's not about your input. It's about what you have around you. But then to still not be disappointed when, yes, it's an eighth or a ninth, but actually with the car, with the qualifying, with the conditions, that's, that was the best result and you're going to enjoy it.
3: Yeah, 100%. And I think you nailed it on the head there where you said enjoy it because especially I've had moments in my career, even you know in the early days where you put so much pressure on yourself and you focus so solely on just getting one result and it's so difficult to – you can't win every race. No one's going to win every race. Not even Lewis Hamilton will win every race. And I think you focus solely on that, that anything else is a failure. And then you're disappointed because you feel like you failed. And so you're upset about that. But then because you put all that pressure on yourself, you're not enjoying it. So you really, you can't win. Whereas now in the last, uh, say, year and a half, two years, and particularly last year, actually in W Series, and it came about prior to that because I had a second season in British Formula 3 where I did exactly that. I put a huge amount of pressure on myself. Wasn't really performing to where I wanted to be and ended up not really enjoying the year I came to the end of the year and I genuinely thought that I was going to stop and that was going to be it and I wasn't actually too downbeat about that I was sort of thinking this could be a nice way out which sounds awful Um, and I don't think any sports person should feel like that but I did but we had one last bout at it I went out to uh, Asia and the Middle East to do something called the MRF challenge and I went out and the racing approach or the approach that we had to it was completely different it was a lot more relaxed and I loved every second of it. We had, I think, five races on a weekend, so we're flat out racing. Um, I went out with, my manager was with me and we had a few other guys. I was working with engineers I've worked with before and honestly, we just had the best time and with that came results and I've never really actually driven so well. So I kept that approach into everything I do now. Um, I try and first and foremost, as much as I can, enjoy it, love what I'm doing because I know The good days, I'm going to love even more. But then the bad days, I'm going to feel so bad because, yeah, although you don't want to have those bad days, we will have them. And, you know, at least I'm doing what I love and I'm enjoying it. Definitely.
0: Talking about all the hard work that goes into it, we've talked about the racing side of it a lot. We've missed a huge part of everyone's life, which is my favourite word. Work-life, well, it's not word, it's three words. Work-life balance. How do you actually manage especially as you're working extremely hard to climb up to something specific. Are you all in and, you know, hopefully there'll be friends and family waiting on the other side or are you actually managing to balance work life? Are you managing to balance your friends and family's expectations?
3: Um, Balance is quite a good way of putting it. Um, Yeah, it's not the easiest for sure. I think that's one thing. Because I wasn't from a racing background, it, it hasn't been my life since I was came out of the womb. Um, I kind of had a later sort of introduction to it becoming my life. So I was probably only 15 or 16 when the commitment really started to ramp up, which was the sort of time in my life when all my friends were off partying, living their best lives. And I was, yeah, doing what I was actually felt like was my best life. So I wasn't complaining at all back then, but definitely I felt in that moment, um, you know, my life go on in a different direction. And yeah, I think definitely there's a balance to it. I think I'm very, very lucky with the way that I'm able to balance my sort of, I guess, social and work life. I think, A, I've got some great friends in the sport, um, so they get it and I can spend time at the track and I don't feel like it's just work. I think I've been sort of even in the F1 paddock, um, coming to F1 races and Williams, in my opinion, have not being biased, but I have such a great team and people that I don't feel like I'm there working. I feel like I've got a social life as well to a degree. and yeah, so there's that side of it, and also, I guess uh, in terms of my family and friends, um a lot of my friends are in some way involved in racing, even if they don't race themselves, which is quite nice. They might have family members that do or be in relationships with people that do, and it's quite nice to have that because we can go for dinner or do something and you know we're not just talking about racing but they still get it if say I'm not drinking or something like that they get it and yeah I'm quite lucky in that sense um but also without sounding too cliche I'm so lucky to do what I do and I love what I do so much I don't feel like it's a burden I mean if I had a choice to go to a family event or I mean you miss family events which is a shame but a, say my friend's birthday party or go to a race you know it's never even a consideration for me I don't even feel disappointed about it because I'm so happy to be doing what I do and um, yeah I guess that's the way I kind of look at it I guess.
0: What is your proudest moment and did you get a chance to celebrate it because I'm very conscious that we move quickly in motorsport we don't always take the time to savour the moment.
3: (sighs) Yeah I definitely um, yeah any sort of notable sort of achievement in my career I don't feel like I've properly celebrated or never when I felt like I've celebrated it because in my head even if I guess we go out afterwards and we have a party or do something in my head I'm straight away thinking of the next thing I'm not really in that moment celebrating whatever we're meant to be celebrating I'm just thinking of what's next and so definitely um, to answer the question of celebrations I don't think I've done that justice but I guess in terms of my proudest moment that's a good question it's hard because there's certain things that for me are personally bigger achievements than maybe what are big achievements on paper so on paper I guess people would jump to the conclusion that maybe W Series last year was my biggest achievement and yes it gave me the biggest leg up I've had of my career so far and exposure wise it's probably where You know, I should be most grateful. I am most grateful for um, the opportunity. But I guess actually a personal achievement was probably going way back um, when I won the Janetta Junior Scholarship, um, because that was actually what first started it. Um, I was doing go-karting, not seriously at all. I did club events every month. And my brother was racing in the Janetta Junior Championship at the time. And my dad said, um, is this something you're interested in? What do you want to do? And I said, actually, I'd like to give it a go. And he said, OK, well, the only way you can pursue this is if you win the scholarship because it gives you a fully funded seat and we can't support you to do it otherwise. Um, so I looked at it. I was like, OK, well, that looks like quite a cool opportunity. Let's give it a go. And I went in with absolutely no, and I'm not just saying this, um, absolutely no expectation had my brother over my shoulder trying to give me like tips because he had driven the car and he knew what what it was all about but um yeah I had no expectation genuinely didn't expect to to win it and I did and that kind of gave me my first big leg up in motorsport and something even to this day is I would say yeah the proudest moment even if it doesn't necessarily appear at the top of the CV.
0: You mentioned your brother a lot and clearly he was racing slightly before you. How, is he still racing now? How does he feel about his <laughs> sister beating him quite quite resoundedly?
3: Oh, you'll have to ask him. Poor guy. <laughs> He's not racing anymore. So we progressed through the sport sort of similarly, I guess. Um, he was a couple of years ahead of me. Obviously, he was the one that took the family, uh, got the family into motorsport for the first time and poor uh, guy probably like was the guinea pig for the family and uh, I then got sort of the cleaner path through but yeah he stopped racing I think two or three years ago Um, just the opportunities um, weren't coming around and unfortunately for him I was getting certain opportunities um, potentially well I think it has to be said because actually my gender you know there was opportunities there's two sides of it but definitely there were opportunities that were there for me that weren't there for him and yeah he then stopped and Definitely when we were racing and we raced each other for a little bit, we didn't get on very well. Um, My poor parents, uh, for a lot of it, were driving us around to all the tracks and we were just at each other's throats constantly. And, yeah, it wasn't ideal. But now I think I'm quite lucky um, in the family because he's not racing anymore, but he gets the sport. It's really nice for me to have him in the family as someone that I can talk to and someone that does get it. And, yeah, I'm lucky to have that. And he's now very supportive of what I'm doing and it's nice to have that in the family
0: you've got a built-in advisor effectively don't you who
3: knows you really well exactly well he thinks he knows best constantly he doesn't but (laughs) it's nice to have that
0: (laughs) (laughs) to cover both sides of the coin do you have a lowest point and how did you overcome it
3: lowest point I think there's definitely the whole sport for me is swings and roundabouts you know there's high the highest highs of ridiculously high and then the lowest loads are ridiculously low and it's constant there's never really a wave that you ride or you ride the wave and then you crash and you go again and yeah I think I can think of many cases every year where that's been the case but I would say definitely the lowest moment was yeah second year of British Jeffery. um I was put a lot of pressure on myself as I mentioned to perform and in your second year really you've got to be up at the sharp end winning races, getting podiums. And we started the year quite well, but halfway through the year, I was just really struggling. um, And I think there was a bit of bad luck, but also I just wasn't performing to the ability that I should have been at. And yeah, I remember we get to the end of each race weekend and there were always just these hard conversations with sponsors, hard conversations with um, even just like family and my management and whoever it was just being like really this keeps going on like this, then you get into the end of the road. And you know how quickly, years ago in motorsport, we were getting to the end of the year quicker and quicker. And I just wasn't getting any better. I was getting worse and worse results. And yeah, it was getting to the point where I just knew it was coming to an end. And I wasn't too disappointed by that. I just got to the point where I was fed up with it and I wasn't enjoying it. And it was just more sadness that so much of my life had been invested into that point. And it was all going to end just because I had a bad year. And fortunately, it turned around at the second to last race or the third to last race when I won my first British F3 race. And that kind of was a big turning point and gave me a second bite of the bullet to get opportunities going forwards. And yeah, I think I look back at that now and I'm like, thank God that happened, however it all happened. But um, yeah, it's not to have a sort of sob story at all because it's not everyone in sport and everyone in motorsport especially has much... Bigger turmoils than that. But for me, that was a moment when, yeah, I wasn't enjoying motorsport and it wasn't going to be for me. But fortunately, I did overcome it. And I think, yeah, I got a result that gave me the confidence boost I needed. And ever since then, I've been able to just focus on, you know, the bigger picture and not have to worry too much um, about those sort of horrible little down moments.
0: It's um, you get yourself in a cycle, don't you? And when it is tough conversation, tough result, tough conversation to be able to break it and break it so well with a win that that is quite something.
3: That win came about. I mean, yeah, I think definitely right timing in terms of when it was going to come about. But I completely see how people in sport, you know, when you're confident and when things are going well, it's hard to be beaten sometimes, I think when you're riding this wave and everything's going in your way and i think actually i say in sport i think in all walks of life when you back yourself and when things are going well you're in such a good sort of swing of things that even if you don't realize you are definitely things are just working for you you're doing your best you're not overthinking things and everything is just natural but on the flip side of that when you know you've had a few bad results and you put a bit of pressure on yourself and things aren't quite going so well. And we've seen it with drivers in Formula One and we've seen it in all walks of life. Uh, It just becomes a bit of a vicious cycle and it's hard to bounce back from that. So fortunately I did bounce back and we got the result we needed. But um, yeah, if it hadn't happened, then I probably wouldn't be here uh, talking to you, definitely.
0: One of the other things is you keep learning.
3: So having gone through that, you've taken that with you into everything else that you're doing, right? 100%, yeah, absolutely. I think... Yeah, you learn. I think that's one thing about, I'm so glad in motorsport. If I stop racing today, the amount I've learned, just life lessons from a young age, um, everything, the amount that I've been able to take with me uh, is huge. And yeah, definitely, um, I know now not what to, what not to do in certain situations and what to do. And definitely experience is starting to pay off in that sense, because it's only getting, you know, higher pressure, it's only going to get more difficult. And so so I've learned that in the early stages, I think is really important.
0: It's like you're building your armor one one piece at a time, ready for whatever's coming next.
3: Yeah, I love that way of putting it. Or like a toolbox, you know, you just put more yeah. tools in your toolbox, and you might not need them, but one day when you do, you can reach in and you can just grab what you need, and away you go.
0: Talking about another chink, let's say in armor or potential trouble in the toolbox, stress, which. Everyone I've spoken to experiences stress apart from Annie Bradshaw, which
3: is <laughs> yeah, Annie Bradshaw doesn't get stressed.
0: <laughs> I know that for a fact, <laughs> <laughs> which is definitely something we all need to learn.
3: But so, what about you? How do you cope with stress? Do you experience it? Are you Annie Bradshaw? I am a little bit Annie Bradshaw, but I think Annie's doesn't get stressed because she's so she's got so much experience and she knows exactly how to deal with everything like her life experience. I lean on Annie for all sorts, even just anything because she's so knowledgeable and she's got so much, I think everyone in motorsport says the same thing, but she's got so much about her that, you know, that's, in my opinion, the reason she doesn't get stressed is because in any given situation, you can throw anything at her and she'll know how to deal with it. Whereas I get stressed if I don't know how to deal with a situation, for example, and that's where experience has scientifically to really help me. But the problem I have is I don't really get stressed. I'm quite, um, I don't know, I don't, I try not to get phased by anything. And I try and just ride like a little kind of bubbled world where I avoid anyone sort of influencing my sort of mood or anything. And the problem with that is it's great when things are fine. But then if I do happen to get stressed or something does throw itself at me, it's a bit more extreme than in just getting stressed on a daily basis. So it's something I'm not great at dealing with. What I have started doing more recently is, just having people I trust to know around me, because I think there's a lot of people uh, in our world, a lot of people with a lot of voices and have an opinion on what you should and shouldn't be doing. And we'll try and get in the middle of things. And I think the example I'll use is the W Series race at the end of last year. So the Brands Hatch race, so the uh, final race when uh, the championship is kind of mine to lose, there wasn't really much else to it. I just, I was leading the championship and there was one race to go and I put it on pole uh, but I remember it all been the whole weekend just being a bit stressful more stressful than any of the other races or anything I'd done before so I was already a bit out of my comfort zone the way that W Series worked last year it was quite cool in the sense that we were all together and everyone shared everything and we all had a changing room that we're all in and there was the hospitality that everyone is in you can't get away from it whereas you know, in F1, for example, the amount of times drivers would just lock themselves in their driver room with their trainer or something in their own little world to get away from. Probably you dragging them to do an interview or something. But um, yeah, you lock yourself away. And I'd always done that. I'd always been quite good at taking myself away from any slightly stressful situation. And that's how I deal with it. But um, in this instance, I couldn't take myself away. So I was just purely exposed to it. And I hated it. I, I couldn't deal with it. And What I did learn is the only way I could deal with it was I was really lucky. I had a lot of friends and family there and I took sort of, there's a couple of friends that I had and my manager actually, and we just hid behind (laughs) one of the awnings and I just sat with them for the hour and a half before the race and just chatted. God knows what we're talking about. But just, I was lucky enough to have that time just to be able to be with them because they know how I work. They know when I was stressed and what's not good for me and what wasn't good for me in that moment was being fully fronted with all the stress and so I think just taking myself away from it is the important thing to do even when it's not so easy.
0: Well at least you've got you have a tool you know what to do you take yourself away or surround yourself with family.
3: Yeah I think just people you trust and people that you know have my best interests and I think that's really important for me Um yeah always going through I think I just make sure that I have the right people around me, and that really influences, you know, how I perform and how I do. Carrying on from
0: then, then taking it one step further, how do you switch off? How do you relax? You have one wear weekend where you're not racing. You're probably doing something racing related anyway, whether it's training or preparing something or or having an interview. But how do you eventually, how do you switch off? How do you take it away?
3: My favourite thing to switch off or my favourite thing to do on a weekend that I have off to just give you one example, is a Sunday lunch. Um, so it's a bit of a British thing, and I've got, oh, I just love it. It's the best thing in the world. And because we are away on weekends so often, we miss Sunday lunch quite often. And I mean, you're French, so I don't know if it's quite as this, the same feeling as it is for a British person, but there's nothing better for me than, you know, four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon having all my friends there, like everyone we can get around just having a mega Sunday lunch, you know, it's gravy dinner. So the lunch is obviously great, but yeah, a glass of red wine and just enjoying being, you know, in each other's company. And it's not stressful. It's just quite a nice way to spend the weekend. So that's like my big one thing that any time, any weekend I'm back home for, I always, or even if it's not me that organizes it, we always try and organize uh, a Sunday roast.
0: I can relate. The food might be different, again, French versus <laughs> English, but family lunch on a Sunday and it lasts hours is the best thing ever. Exactly. Let's switch to another another topic which I wanted to ask you about, which is social media, which, again, with your job, with your generation as well, I feel like there's so much emphasis on you being good at social media or at least having a good output, whether it's having the right people around you to take care of it or doing it yourself,
3: what is it like from your point of view? Do you like it? Do you not like it? It's a good question. I I don't really have much of an opinion on it on my side. It doesn't, I actually I say that I'm definitely a bit addicted to my phone. I think I say that I'm not that influenced by social media but the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is scroll through Instagram. So clearly, <laughs> clearly I definitely am. But yeah, I mean, from my side I do it because you know, I kind of have to. Um, there's an element of, you know, I probably can't, I don't think you can get away with being a junior in motorsport and not having some sort of presence on social media or being maybe a Sebastian Vettel, for example. I think you have to have, have to have it. And um, yeah, fortunately I don't not enjoy it. I think on my side, I quite like putting out stuff that's race related and I'm really lucky that I've got, um, you know, people that support me and genuinely want me to do well. And I really like seeing that sometimes it's a nice, thing for me to always have in the back of my mind um, that I've got genuine people that want me to do well. And I love that. But a lot of mine is quite racing related. I try and stay off too much. Sort of. I try and keep my personal and social life very private and um, yeah, separate. And then I just keep my social media mainly for the racing side, which I think it, I prefer doing it that way. And that's a personal decision. But it's nice in that sense because I've got people that are supporting my career. And then the people that support me genuinely know me and I don't necessarily need to publicize my life about. So, yeah, there's two sides of it. But I also very much can see the negative side of it. You know, I try, I find Instagram's much better. I, I try avoid looking too much at Twitter. Twitter, for me, I, I see comments and stuff and I read all sorts of stuff. And, um, yeah, I've not really had too much horrible stuff, but I've seen certain bits and it's not kind of my cup of tea. And I don't like confrontation, so I try and avoid um, ever saying anything that's uh any sort of not political but anything that's gonna cause a stir so yeah there's two sides of it but i think i quite like it in the sense that i love the community we have in motorsport i love how passionate the fans are i love how passionate people are about what we do and it's quite cool to see see that and have those voices um yeah speaking up i guess
0: yeah it's the I mean it's there's always a good and a bad side isn't it but the good bit is definitely being able to hear everyone that cares about motorsport everyone that cares about your career gets to actually tell you that and you get to hear them that's lovely
3: yeah and I remember I think um Claire Williams doesn't have social media and I'm sure it was a conversation I was having with her or maybe her husband Mark and I think she was saying that you know she couldn't bear to see some of the stuff that they say about Williams and what I think she'll be really surprised to see is the amount of people that support Williams. You know, they're not in the best place, obviously at the moment they're getting better, but I think the amount of people that are genuinely behind say Williams or certain teams, I think it's really cool to see. And I think genuinely she'll read some of the comments and be heartwarmed by it because there is a lot of, there's a lot of negativity on social media. Don't get me wrong. It's not all uh, roses, but definitely there are, um, a lot of positives to see and a lot of things that will make you smile which I love
0: yeah same here it's it's, again it's my job to read comments so I read them all (laughs) unfortunately the negative ones are the ones that go straight to your heart and uh, and you can't shake them off very easily but the good ones and when you see it's the same people and they're there for every single post every single moment yeah it, it makes your heart warm it really does
3: yeah but and I think that must be so cool for you as well to be able to see that from a team's perspective because you know it is one big family i guess for Renault and Williams or whoever you know you're working with and yeah to have that voice for the team's perspective but then obviously hear everything back it's quite cool i like that
0: yeah it's um i i i think we described it as i get to be the digital voice of the team or the <laughs> online voice of the team and i'm very aware that with all the good and bad bits it's a massive privilege so, yeah. yeah, I treat it as such. Final couple of questions. First one, which a lot of people listen to this podcast for, is what advice would you have to anybody that's on the outside who's looking at what you're doing and would love to be able to follow in your footsteps?
3: Uh, this is where I'm going to fall short. I'm really bad at giving advice, I think. But I would say, in, I mean, first and foremost, if you're not involved in motorsport, it's an amazing sport to be a part of. And don't be intimidated by it because I think a lot of people that aren't involved in it and don't understand it are intimidated by that and therefore just stay clear of it. But actually, it's a great sport to be involved in. Like I said, I fell into it completely by accident and fortunately that kind of um, clouded the perception for me of it being a daunting sport to get into and I just jumped straight in without really realising. But ultimately, I'm so glad I did because I wouldn't have been exposed to this world that, we're fortunate enough to be in now but so many people uh, don't get to see so first and foremost don't be intimidated by it. if you want to get involved definitely do and I think you learn with experience in this sport I don't think it's something that no matter how many F1 races you could sit at home and watch you're not going to be an expert you learn by going to the races you learn by you know spending time speaking to people learning from different people so that's another factor of it, don't um, stress that, you know, you might not, uh, you know, you don't have to do all the background research, reading books about motorsport, you can learn through time, um, but I would say if you want to get involved in the sport, on uh, obviously my side is on the racing side, which is ultimately, I think you've got to start and go karts and progress through, which if that's the case, then definitely, you know, go to maybe a local kart track and try it out for the first time, but yeah, I guess the whole sport as a whole, in terms of any sort of avenue I think like we've kind of discussed there's a lot to the sport there's huge uh versatile sport and there's so much to it that you can really enter in any avenue and learn a huge amount and progress through as as you will do I guess and yeah I think there are opportunities available male female whoever you are you are definitely um in a position to explore the sport and yeah I think give it a go don't be put off by it and I think hopefully you can enjoy it as much as I guess well definitely for me I do and I'm sure for you do as well. But I think that's very good advice you didn't let yourself short at all.
0: (laughs) What about advice that you've been given that actually has been useful to you your your whole career that you're still using now?
3: Oh I need to think I get given advice on I take snippets of advice on a daily basis so I get anything anyone says to me normally kind of resonates in some way Um, and I'll try and take little bits from everyone and even if it's you at the Autosport Awards telling me to buy some nice trainers so I didn't have to wear heels to the next dinner I was going to. um, I remember like little things I, I try and like take as much information as possible but I think it's a bit of a mantra but I quite like the whole sort of process of it's nice to be nice. I think in a sport there's this sort of perception that it's definitely competitive and you have to have this cutthroat mentality which i think you do but also you can be nice and you can be nice i'm not speaking on behalf of myself but i think you can i think what i love about i guess sometimes in the f1 paddock is how nice people are and i think it's definitely the way to go about it and people by people people want to have a good experience in the sport and it not be this intimidating world so yeah, I mean, I can't remember who told me it's nice to be nice, but um, yeah, that's probably one of the nicest bits. Nice, the bits of advice that I've received.
0: I think so. I think that's a great advice. Also, because motorsport, Formula One paddock is one thing, but I find that motorsport is one massive industry, and everyone moves around. No one is very little amount of people is just on Formula One. A lot of people do F one and actually might do something else on the side a lot of people like you and I have come through the ranks if you're nice all the time that's going to pay you back at some point either you're going to be able to call in a favor or you're going to walk into a paddock that you've not been in before and you're going to see people you know and they'll be nice back because you're nice it's it's a simple very simple line but
3: (laughs) yeah no I was going to say that's the most simple little tagline ever but you're completely right I think you never know who you're going to meet on the way up or the way down and I think what I have noticed about motorsport is it's an incredibly small world. Um, you're in and around the same people constantly. Even when you think you've gone in a different direction, you'll find the same people eventually. And yeah, I just think it's you've got to be competitive. You've got to have the sort of drive to win and will to want to you know succeed. But at the same time, I think yeah, you've got to do it in a certain way. And I think in motorsport especially, that's uh, a useful bit of uh, life advice that I received. And as
0: you mentioned, wearing funky trainers to work functions is also very sound advice.
3: Exactly. Very sound advice. I will remember that, I'm sure. <laughs> very
0: final question. It's gone very quickly, by the way. So thank you very much, Jamie, for taking your time to do this. But my final question is, what are you looking forward to?
3: Oh, um, my Sunday rest. No, <laughs> <I>, um, <laughs> What am I looking forward to? Uh, I, I'm so excited about what's to come in the next few months and few years on my side. I think I um, received some backing um, recently that's kind of given me an opportunity to um, progress a bit further now in the sport without, uh, with a lot more security, um, with a lot more structure, which basically means that now I can focus on my performance. And if I perform to the best of my ability, then I know the opportunities are going to be there. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that because I know that there's – a slightly clearer path now to the top and yeah i'm looking forward to just doing the best i can and hopefully performing and hopefully yeah making it making it to the top
0: thank you very much jamie chadwick for giving me the time it's been lovely speaking to you for the past hour
3: no worries thank you for having me
0: that was the brilliant jamie chadwick and i hope you enjoyed our chat as much as i did Jamie is a pleasure to chat to and I'm so excited for what the future holds for her. As she mentioned, with backing, she can now focus on performing at the top of her game and I cannot wait to see what she does next. You can follow her motorsport journey on social media. She's on Twitter and on Instagram as Jamie chadwick 55 Her official website is jamiechadwickracing.com. As ever, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe via your favourite podcast platform, tell your friends, post about it on social media. It all means so much and I read every message and every mention. You can also get in touch directly if you'd like via my Instagram account, which is Pandea. P-A-N-D-E-A. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but that's it, everyone. That was episode 10 of the very first series of Racing Lives. And with the F1 season now well underway, I'll be taking a break from podcasting. I've loved recording these chats so much and your feedback and support has been amazing. Thank you for listening, for subscribing, for sharing and for getting in touch. It's been a hugely rewarding journey and I'm truly grateful for how kind you've all been. I do hope to carry on in the future. I have so many more stories I'd like to share with you, whether it's chatting to engineers, mechanics, drivers. I have 10 more names ready, believe me, and I've been loving your suggestions too. Thank you for listening and let's not say goodbye, but speak soon.